This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. It's 11 o'clock. It's Toronto Today. Mike Hogan in for Mr. Gareth Wheeler today. Welcome to the show. Hope all is well. Uh, busy program today. Raptors uh, holding a newser today. They're going to uh, introduce their new three in C.J. Miles. And Paul Jones will be emceeing that news conference. We'll have Jonesy on, uh, the voice of the Raptors here on TSN 1050. Uh, Paul will drop by at about 11.15-ish, maybe a little earlier, and uh, and we'll get to it with Paul about not only this trade, but to all of the stuff in the offseason. And uh, Jonesy headed down to uh, check out live the Summer League action. So we'll, we'll talk about the Raptor rookies and some of the uh, uh, the younger players. Um, a lot being made of Siakam's Summer League play. So we'll, we'll, we'll get the scouting report from Paul. That about 11.15 today. Uh, Bob Nightingale will join us. He has his finger on the pulse of all of the baseball trade rumors. He, of course, longtime major league columnist for USA Today. I don't know if this is the most fun time of year for these guys. And, you know, the, the guys up here, Bob McKenzie and Dreger during hockey season, go through it as well. Um, but when you get close and closer and closer to the trade deadline date, it starts to heat up. And your job, let's face it, it's an enjoyable gig working in sports media because you're following sports for a living. There's no heavy lifting. The hours are usually pretty good. But at this time, the hours going to, I assume, in uh, in the case of a guy like Bob Nightingale who's got a trillion connections, um, I'm, I'm sure that it gets a little crazy at this time of year. So this is fun because at the bottom line, he's a baseball fan. And you're getting breaking story after potential breaking story after rumor after rumor. Or is this just crazy? where the hours and the amount of the sheer volume of work kind of take the fun out of it for him. I assume it's the former, but uh, we'll talk to Bob about that and, and, and find out the latest on the Jays if anything is up um, with any of the rumors that we've heard. I mean, there was one story a week ago about Donaldson and how the St. Louis Cardinals were uh, informally discussing a possibility of acquiring Josh Donaldson, but it really hadn't gotten to the formal talks. Was there any smoke? Uh, there was smoke. Was there any fire to the smoke? Um, we can we can talk to Bob about that and just what he's heard about about the Jays and kind of go around uh, the Red Sox and the Yankees and all of the teams in the American League that might be loading up and a team like Detroit and J T uh, J D Martinez and where he may end up. So there's there's a, a million stories to talk about, uh, but we will focus in on the big picture with Bob and then we'll get into the Jays talk specifically. Uh, Gregor Chisholm will join us and uh, he of course with MLB.com. He'll join us in the 12 o'clock hour, roughly 12.15. And then one of my favorites will drop by. Uh, Clark Judge from the Talk of Fame Network um, has covered the National Football League for at least a week. And Clark will uh, will drop by and we'll get into, uh, I guess the Ezekiel Elliott story is the big one. Um, man, it's just, if you're an organization and you draft a kid, you hope that the kid is going to be a decent guy. And I don't know if Ezekiel Elliott is a, is a jerk or if he's just a, a good kid that finds himself in a lot of bad situations. 
I don't. I have no idea. I know nothing about him as a person. Uh, but it's uh, it's problematic for a kid this age who has been through this more than a couple of times uh, that that the bad stuff keeps following him around, or if he's instigating it. We'll find out uh, what Clark Judge knows. There's a lot to talk about as well. Aaron Rodgers um, talked the other day about being on the back nine of his career. Um, 34 years old now, Aaron Rodgers. Doesn't seem like that long ago where he was watching the draft and not hearing his name called over and over and over again. And then there was a whole, when's he going to play? Favre is still there. And maybe that's why we don't think of him as being that old because he played, what, three years as a backup before he got an opportunity to start? So I guess he's a young 34 if there's such a beast in the NFL. But you still see guys going and, and going late into their 30s. And I, this is this is... This has been really interesting for me to follow. As you see this on both sides of the border with pro quarterbacks, as you know, when I was a kid uh, back in the seventies, like there was George Blanda and maybe Earl Morrill. There weren't that many quarterbacks that played into their late thirties, and if they were there, they weren't playing at the same kind of high level that they were when they were in their late twenties. There seemed to be a fairly rapid drop-off back in the day. But now, Tom Brady pushing 40 wins the Super Bowl. Drew Brees is still an excellent quarterback. He's, what, 38 now? On this side of the border. Henry Burris wins a Grey Cup in, in his early 40s. Uh, Ricky Ray has thrown for three, or sorry, four 300-yard games to start the season. He's 37 It's, it's, it's an interesting story. I want to delve into that at a future date and, and just find out what it is that has, uh, has made the position of quarterback. When you think of the hits that these guys take against bigger, stronger, faster defenders. I mean, you get guys coming off the edge, especially in the NFL. Edge players are, are, are now like 280, 290 for defensive ends. You see guys that, those freakishly big, fast guys. Uh, it's, it's insane some of the hits that these quarterbacks are taking, yet... They're still playing. Peyton Manning was still very good into into his late 30s. It's an odd situation. We'll get to Clark, and, and we'll talk about that as well. Um, but uh, also, we wanted to uh, uh, to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays first and foremost. They had a, it was an interesting game. It was at least an entertaining tilt last night. Um, the win over Boston. There was uh, there, it looked like they were safe, and then the error, and then. The tie, and then they come back and take the lead and almost blow. I mean, it was it was a very entertaining game last night, and the Blue Jays come up on the positive side. But even though that's you know short term, it was a nice night for if you're a Blue Jays fan. It was fine. They got the win. They beat the hated Red Sox. They pick up a game, and then you start scoreboard watching. And you see Baltimore wins, and you know the teams are playing each other. So you know KC and Detroit. Or sorry, uh, uh, who was playing last night? Seattle, you know, beats Houston. So you get some bad news as well. But it's still the big picture that Toronto Blue Jay fans are looking at. They're not really look. I, I would assume. I don't know if you're in the, the. I don't know how big the majority is of Blue Jays fans that have come to the realization that this is not a playoff team this year. You may be in the minority. 
that thinks, hey, you know, they still got a run in them, maybe two. There's still a chance here. There's no really, really good team among the wild card contenders, so there's still a shot. So now people are looking at big picture. And one of the people that keeps getting brought up is Marcus Stroman, who looked good last night. You know, whether or not they should have taken him out before they did, debatable. Um, But there's a name that is coming up in trade talk. And Buster Olney from ESPN was on the morning show today, and he talked about why the Jays should trade Marcus Stroman. And the reason why you would do that is timing. You hear that a lot from general managers where they talk about trying to put together a team and so it's timed well to win. Because what they're looking at now, if they go into this period of, of you know, retooling, rebuilding, and they're not competitive next year, they're essentially going to be wasting Estrada's best years, much in the way that we used to see that with Roy Halladay. And, okay, Marcus Estrada could have, uh, excuse me, um, uh, Marcus Stroman could have one of the best years of his career next year, but if they finish in fourth place and win 72 games, what's the real value? The problem is, I guess, with Stroman is he's controllable for, what, four more years? Three more after this one? Is that a guy you want to deal, or is that a guy you want to have hang around? I just, there are, in my estimation, the pros of keeping Stroman around outweigh the cons of losing him short term. Um, Could you get a boatload for him? I would assume. But as we have seen in baseball time and time and time again, sometimes those deals for prospects never pan out. The prospects just don't make it. Um, baseball, I, I think of the major sports, is the toughest one to make a trade in because so many times you'll see a guy at the single A or double A level that is lights out that when he makes it to the majors for whatever reason just can't handle, you know, if he's a, if he's a hitter, he just can't touch major league pitching. If he's a pitcher, something happens between the ears more than anything else and he just can't handle major league hitting. I think you see that in baseball a lot more than you see that in the other sports. So it's it's a difficult thing to do, to make a deal like that. Now, how about Estrada? Buster only on the uh, program this morning, talking about the Jays moving Estrada. And with Estrada, he hasn't pitched well. He's owed about $4 million for the last two months. I, it wouldn't surprise me if they were to move him, but I think they're going to have to eat money to do it. Uh, because of his experience, I think there'd be a team that'd be willing to take him for the back end of the rotation. But uh, they would—it's going to be expensive for them to do it. And there's a guy who's a UFA at the end of the year. If you can get something for him, and you have decided that this year is not going to be your year, um, you know why not move him? Now that said, if you move him, somebody's got to take his place, and there are. How many kids do you want to give an opportunity to come up and play? How many do you want to get the, the clock started on? It's not like you can move all of your pitchers and then just, I don't know, have Justin Smoke come in and pitch four games for you this year. You need to replace the guys that you're moving out, whether it be promoting somebody from the bullpen, whether it be promoting somebody from the minors, uh, getting a lesser arm back in any deal. Uh, just as a filler, which could be done, which could help alleviate some of the cost. Um, Although, for the most part, if you are a contender, you're going to want to hang on to as many arms as possible, just in case, hypothetically, you were to deal for Estrada, 
and he were to go down or somebody else in the starting rotation were to go down, you still want that depth if you think you've got a shot at it this year. So if you give a, if you trade Stroman, if you trade Estrada, if you trade Hap, all of a sudden you've got three spots in the starting rotation you have to fill. So don't forget about that either. The other name that comes out, there are two, there are a couple more. I'm, I'm going to go through all of these before we get Jonesy. Let's stay with the pitchers and Roberto Osuna. Trade him? What? Are you crazy? Only says maybe not. I think that there's no more volatile uh, performer in baseball than the relief pitcher. They go up, they go down, they have good years. Uh, at the end of this season, Osuna will have three years of service time. He goes into arbitration. He starts to get more expensive. In other words, as that happens, his value goes down. And, you know, if the Jays wind up doing some sort of a measured sell-off or, you know, an extensive sell-off, then they probably have to know internally that, that their chances for winning next year are probably going to be reduced somewhat. If that's the case, hey, put a Suna out there. Put Stroman out there. See what you can get for value right now. Interesting theory. I don't know if you subscribe, but he's right. There are very few Mariano Rivera's out there who just seem to be good year after year after year after year. Uh, even some of the bigger names in baseball have stubbed their toe at some point uh, as a closer. I don't know if I would subscribe to that theory of training Osuna, but I'm all ears. If somebody's willing to overpay for him, why not listen? Um, I don't think that there is anybody on this roster right now that's quote unquote untouchable. I just I I don't see. It. I'd listen to any I'd listen to any offer for any pitcher, for any position player. Some the offer would have to be spectacular don't get me wrong but i'd listen i'd certainly listen to any offers for jose bautista buster only says if they're going to move him they're not going to get much i think bautista right now has no value negative value um because as we've talked about in recent weeks the position player demand is not there among the contenders because teams like the you know the dodgers the astros aren't looking for position players and let's face it, he's bad defensively. If a team were to acquire Jose Bautista, who think they have an, a legitimate chance of winning a World Series, if you're an American League team, it makes sense if you need a designated hitter. If you're a National League team, it makes sense only because you're going to want another bat in your lineup potentially for the road games against American League teams should you get to the World Series. And then Bautista would fit in for that many games, as many games as you're playing in American League parks. And he's a depth guy at this stage. I don't I don't run him out every day in right field. If you're a contender, why the hell would you want to do that? We've seen how, how bad his defense is. The other guy that if you could uh, make this move, I think they need to bring in Messiah Jiri to make this move, and that would be trying to unload Troy Tulowitzki. He has negative value in the trade market right now. Uh, if the Blue Jays wanted to give him away, they would have to t- probably eat something in the range, and I'm just riffing here, uh, probably something in the range of 60% of his contract. He's owed $58 million for the next three years, and that's just to give him away. Okay, They wouldn't get anything in return. He's got a career-low OPS. 
Um, his defensive metrics are down. He's an older player. He's got some mileage in an era in, we're seeing, in which we're seeing so many young shortstops. That's Buster Rolling from ESPN. And my question to Paul Jones, the voice of the Raptors, is could Masai Ujiri trade Troy Tulowitzki? Um, yeah, hey, anybody can be traded, right? Uh, remember the remember the Vernon Wells deal? Everybody thought that was going to be, you know, the great millstone around the Blue Jays' neck, and somebody took him, right? Yeah. So I guess anybody can be traded. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, I'm good. I'm just back from Las Vegas, a little lighter in the pocket, but... Uh, but a little wiser in the brain from watching a little summer league ball. How much lighter, and where did you lose it? Um, I don't know. There's a bunch of tables that have my money, and, and a bunch of guys that have cards right behind me that owe me money. <laughs> <laughs> well played. So let's let's get to the summer league first. Then what? What? We'll talk about the Raptors first and foremost. Um, what did you think of the younger players? Um, boy, the league is really set up. Uh, you know, the the, the first. One and Duns used to come into the league, Hoagie, and you had to kind of, I mean, you still do have to teach them the game a bit, but I'm finding that some of these guys from watching the game are coming in and they look like they're going to be able to contribute, well, if not vastly, a little bit right away. And, and that's, that's huge if you're, a, you know, if you're a team like, well, the Lakers who won the Summer League Championship and you look at, the way uh, Alonzo Ball has played, or you look at the way uh, the kid from Utah, Kyle Kuzma, played, and it's it's strange because people say Utah, you know, and and hold on a second, Utah has given Toronto Jakob Pertl and Delon Wright in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Utah runs uh, a really really good system there under a guy in Larry Kristoviak who played in the NBA and coached in the NBA. So that's not a bad program. And, and uh, you know, you see guys like, like Kuzma. Um, man, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. really, really impressed me. I mean, there was hype around Lonzo Ball. His first couple of games weren't great, but, I mean, he ended up being the summer league MVP. Uh, uh, you know, um, Jason Tatum, Boston got a good one there. A lot of these kids are coming in a little bit better prepared, uh, a little bit, you know, more with it. And you're going to have to teach them the game and a little bit about life, but they look like they're ahead of the guys in years past that have come in after only one year of college. How good will Lonzo Ball be in his first year? Um, I think he's, have his, he's going to have his challenges defensively, Hoagie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think he's used to playing against guys consistently that are as good as he is or better. I mean, at UCLA, yeah, you might get one of those guys that go up to play Washington and he's got Martel folks. Okay, that's it. You know, that's that's maybe two or three nights on the schedule. Sure. Here, he's going to be seeing guys every night for one. And, and second of all, these guys know who he is and he's going to have a little bit of a mark on his shoulder that guys are going to be looking at. Uh, which one of the Raptors? I mean, there's so much uh, curiosity about, especially you know guys like Siakam and Pirtle, who got you know their feet wet last year, but maybe counted on for bigger and better minutes this year. Uh, of the of, of that ilk of player, who impressed you the most? Uh, boy, I thought I thought Van Vliet was really good, and and to me, they have to be counting on uh, Delon Wright and Van Vliet with making the Corey Joseph deal. Yeah. Corey was a very, very solid backup, 
you know, could start for a lot of teams, uh, was a great spot starter when Lowry was out. And I know you got to give up something to get something. And, and Miles will help their three-point shooting, especially if Asai, you know, has declared and laid down the decree that they want to play differently. But uh, it's got to be Van Vliet and, and, and Wright really stepping forward. And I liked what I saw from Van Vliet in the summer league. I mean, we saw him last year at this time, and we said, hey, the Raptors might be able to use this guy as, a, you know, a third or a fourth point guard on their roster. Well, they did, and he's played well enough that, you know, he's, he's, he's earned a promotion in a sense. So uh, he, he really impressed me. And the loss to Portland in the, in the, in the tournament round play in, the, in Summer League, I think he had 31 or 32. And you can tell, guys like Pirtle, Siakam, who started almost half the year, Van Vliet, they're so far ahead of the other guys that are just coming into the league even though it's only a one-year difference, they're so far ahead right now, Hoagie, just from spending that time with the big club. What do you expect out of Siakam this year? And I'll ask the same thing about Pirtle. Um, the same kind of thing that he gave you last year. Energy, yeah. rebounding. Uh, I compared him to a poor man's Dennis Rodman, the way he ran the floor and, and rebounded and disrupted teams' defenses sure. and kept things alive on the offensive end. And then Pirtle, the same thing. I think... You know, we're hearing all this talk about shopping JV. Yep. Well, probably because they figure, you know, Pirtle is, is, is ready to step in. And, and that's a staple of Masai Ujiri's teams. He values good players and what you can give, but he's always got another one in the barrel coming down the pipe. And, oh. and you look at Siakam and, 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 and Pirtle the same way and Van Vliet. Um, you know, they all fit that mold. Paul Jones is the voice of the Raptors here on TSN 1050, uh, joining us as they get ready to introduce C.J. Miles today. Did the Miles trade or any of the other moves, either players coming in or players going out, did anything surprise you? Nothing. Nothing, Holy. Yeah. No, uh, you know, I, I hearken back to when Ray Allen left Boston, and Doc Rivers said it best. When it's free agency and you can't hang on to your guys and everybody can talk to them, Yeah. You never know what is going to convince people. And, you know, I, n- nothing surprises me. No, nothing surprises me. No moves. It's like, wow, that guy went there. Okay, well, he sees a chance to win. He sees more money. I mean, Chris Paul, um, it, 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 it doesn't surprise me anymore when guys make moves like that, Hoagie. Uh, agreed. Which one? Let's talk about C.J. Miles, and they're having the news here a little bit later on today. You're going to be emceeing that. Um, C.J. Miles comes to town. What does he bring? Um, three-point shooting. Yeah, you know that's that's what he does. That's his that's his thing. Um, he's uh he's he's terrific when it comes to um, three-point shooting. He was top fifteen in percentage. Uh, he was you know he was up there in in attempts and and makes and uh, he's a guy that just by standing in the corner is going to give driving lanes and be a threat. He doesn't even have to touch the ball. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's out on the floor. They're saying, you know, like, look out for this guy and, and you know, don't leave him open. It's going to create space for other people. Uh, and now you count, you, you talked about uh, the guys behind him who are going to have to step it up. And my big concern heading in now, uh, and I'm sure that Ujiri uh, is not done by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but you lose, you know, Pat Pat is gone and Carroll is gone, and you're looking for that defensive presence behind Miles. Um, is, is there more work to be done here on this roster? Yeah, 
Yeah, there is. There is. And like you said, you mentioned a key, couple of key pieces that gone with, like, you know, Patterson, who could stretch the floor but also play the defense. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're going to count on Miles to do some of that, but he's, he, he hasn't shown to be consistently as good as Patterson was, although Patterson had a bit of a drop-off this year. But I, I think there's more to come, particularly in that department, uh, looking for, uh, you know, those, those guys, they call them 3 and D. Yeah, exactly. Paul, a pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this, and uh, and thanks for the update from Vegas. That was uh, an unexpected uh, treat as well. That's why I got to. That's why I got to keep working, Hoagie. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Mrs. Jones is thrilled about that. Uh, we'll oh, we'll keep it between her, us. She, oh no, no, he she lost. She was sitting right beside me. Oh, she okay. Lost her, she lost her fair share to it. So it's not like I, I went home and went. Oh, by the way, honey, we're a little. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, no. She was she was right in there throwing money away too. Who lost more, you or her? Um, I would say her because I'm a more experienced player. But oh, then man. again, but then again, if I had that experience, I'd know what I'm doing, right? Even if you did not lose as much money as she did, that was the wrong answer. She's not listening right okay. now. I don't think so. I'm <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Jonesy. Appreciate it. All right, Hoagie. That is Paul Jones, the voice of the Raptors here on TSN 1050. They're going to have a get-together today and introduce C.J. Miles uh, to the uh, Toronto public. And uh, that was a nice deal, um, but they still have some work to do to uh, retool, completely retool the roster. Uh, up next, more to come, including a visit before the top of the clock from Bob Nightingale. Uh, we will have all the latest Major League Baseball trade rumors for you coming up here on Toronto Today on TSN 1050. It's 11.30. This is Toronto Today. My name is Mike Hogan in for Gareth Wheeler. We'll be back at some point next week. Uh, coming up, rest of the program here as we uh, zoom right along. Uh, Bob Nightingale will join us in mm, 15 minutes-ish. Bob with the USA Today and uh, lots of trade rumors around Major League Baseball. We'll get into that. Uh, before the top of the clock here, uh, Gregor Chisholm will join us as well. More baseball talk with uh, Gregor, who covers the Blue Jays for MLB.com. And he is one of our TSN 1050 Blue Jays analysts as well. So uh, Gregor will drop by in the 12 o'clock hour, and uh, we'll see what he has heard of late. We'll talk about the game last night, which was uh, entertaining. And if you're a Jays fan, um, you're pretty happy that they went in and beat the Red Sox and... You got the Stroh show with the W, so all was good for one night anyway. And um, But with Gregor, I think we want to go big picture. I think most of us have kind of looked at the Blue Jays and what's ahead and the daunting task and went, eh, they're just not good enough this year. So what do they do? Wouldn't it be interesting to be in on those discussions right now? That would be per- That would be interesting. What do we do? What do we do with this pitcher? What do we do with this player? Who do we listen to? Oh, there's a phone call from Team X. What are they asking for? They're asking for him? Really? What are they offering? It would be, it would be okay, and then you compare the offers to what different teams have, uh, have made for a player like Estrada, for a player like Hap, for a player like Donaldson. What are the offers on the table right now? God, I'd love to be able to do that. Uh, Clark Judge will drop by as well at 12.30. We'll get into some NFL talk with uh, a longtime NFL beat writer, and uh, he is the host of the Talk of Fame Network. If you're into the history of football, if you're an NFL fan, um, that is a must-follow. It is a must-listen-to podcast. Uh, and to read Clark, at Clark Judge, T-O-F, Talk of Fame. 
Uh, they deal with different players and their contributions to the sport, why they're in the Hall of Fame, and you know they, they often get into debates about those players who are borderline, whether or not they are Hall-worthy. So we'll get into that with Clark. Uh, a little bit later on, but uh, primarily there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of NFL discussion to get to, so we'll do that with Clark at 12:30 this afternoon. We have a poll question up as as we try to do every day. Um, this is about the Blue Jays and the potential rebuild. If and when the Blue Jays and we'll we'll underscore the if because this is a hypothetical and we do not know what they are going to do. We can assume, but if and when the Blue Jays begin to rebuild. What style of offense would you want to see the team play? Small ball or power? Speedy small ball or power hitting bracket dingers? Exclamation mark on our poll question. Uh, You can vote at TSN 1050 Radio on the Twitter machine, or you can uh, can simply uh, follow me at TSN Mike Hogan. I have just retweeted it. You can do it there. Would love to have your comments as well uh, as to why you would prefer to see a specific brand of ball come to Trana. On the other side of the glass today, Michael Skrizniak. Skrizniaski, what's Hello, going on? Hello, Hoagie. Welcome back. How are you? Where was you? Where was I? Yeah. Sleeping in. Nice! It's what I do best. Did, is that it? You just, you just took a day off to sleep? Pretty much. Nice. What did you do? Did some groceries. Did you do anything? Or was it just one of those, I need to unplug my brain day? Yeah, had to unplug the brain. You played video games? No, I, I have a Nintendo 64, but I don't really play it. <laughs> okay. He did throw out a hot cho- uh, chocolate hot take while he was away, if you yeah, remember. What was, yeah, uh, that's Joe Narsa, our producer uh, of the program. You, you were dissing Caramilk bars? I think Caramilk is the most overrated candy bar out there. Now, without going into full Matt Cause, who was on the morning show today, uh, why are Caramilk bars overrated? Just way too sweet. Um, but for those who like really sweet, it's not overrated. For your palate, you would prefer a different type of chocolate bar. See, like I'm a chocolate, like I'm a chocolate guy. I'm a cookie monster. Mm-hmm. But it's just the caramel with the chocolate. I just don't like it together. What, what's your favorite? More well, Kit Kat chunky guy myself. Okay. Oh, okay. So you not only go Kit Kat, you go the chunky route. Mm-hmm. Ah, interesting. Uh, not really. Uh, Narsa, <laughs> our poll question today. Uh, comes out of a discussion that we were having off air yesterday about style of play. Um, are you fur or again loading up on the power hitters again when they do retool this baseball team? I'm against the power hitting. I think or qua because something that stuck out to me while watching when watching the Jays take on the Royals. Mm-hmm. It seemed like in the playoffs, it seemed like the Royals never missed the ball. It just always seemed like the ball was in play. They Mm -hmm. were always putting pressure on the Jays' defense, and it put even more pressure on the Blue Jays' offense, which then in turn stresses your power hitters, and I feel like leads to more strikeouts. But what me and you were saying is they haven't won a title in 20-something years, and when they did win their last two titles, they had speed on the bags. Alomar, White. Molitor. They could all giddy up go. And they were... They, Ricky Henderson. It was an intelligent style of baseball. And I'm not saying that these players that are power hitters aren't intelligent. I'm just saying what you have behind that speed is being able to alter the mood and alter the tempo of the pitcher, alter the positioning of the defense, and improve your chances of scoring an individual run. And what you were saying was great because you were like, 
You should get a run in after every four batters, if I'm not mistaken. The, the, the way that it works for me, if you have speed, and you're not going to have burners all the way throughout the lineup, but if you have a guy who can play really good defense, A, helping your pitching staff, and B, when he's on base, be able to create things. And and this is this is the poster boy for that. This is a guy, he's a nondescript player who was a fantastic defensive second baseman named Rodney Scott. And my favorite era of baseball as a fan, and, and maybe this is just, you know, when you grow up you're, you, you, and, and you're exposed to a certain style of play, you, you hearken and, you, and you, you, you lean toward liking that style. In my baseball heyday as a fan, before I got into the industry, I was watching the Expos and the Pirates and the Cardinals and the Phillies and the Kansas City Royals and all of these teams that were competitive play small ball. And there was a guy who played second base for the Expos named Rodney Scott. Now, if you're a 224 hitter with an on-base percentage of 307, you're not going to score very many runs, right? Because you're never on base. Rodney Scott, as a 224 hitter with a 307 on-base percentage, scored 84 runs that year. And how did he do it? 63 stolen bases, 70 walks. Um, you get on base, you create. And they hit Scott. That was 1980. They they stuck him in the order in the second spot, believe it or not. They had a guy named Ron LaFleur who stole 97 bases that year. And they had he was first, and they had Andre Dawson and Gary Carter hitting behind them. So what that did is if you got LaFleur on, and he was replaced the next year by Tim Raines, if you had LaFleur or Raines on, or if you had Rodney Scott on, because of the speed in the one and two spots, Andre Dawson and Gary Carter or Scott, if LaFleur or Raines was on, saw a lot more fastballs. You saw more fastballs because if you threw junk, it was a you know, the walk turns into a double. The error turns into a double because those guys are gone and you're not throwing them out. It forces the defense to take a half a step in, maybe a step or two in, because a slow ground ball is a base hit, and you have to be able to cut that off. And if you come in, they can slap one by you a little more easily. Um, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't defensively. Get guys who can put the damn ball in play and can run, and it changes what you can do, and it really helps out guys with some power behind you. And Dawson was another guy who could steal 30 bases. He's behind it. Gary Carter saw nothing but fastballs. It's, it, it, it's amazing how much a small lineup will do like that. And, oh, yeah, if they can run and they can play the outfield, they can cover a hell of a lot more ground than Jose Bautista or you know whoever's playing left field for them. What it sounds like is you miss Ben Revere. I'd love Ben If, I, if you have Ben Revere I in the agree. lineup, and you don't have to hit him leadoff, if you hit him at the bottom of the order and he gets on, all of a sudden it turns over the law. If you hit him ninth, hypothetically, um, when you turn over the lineup, all of a sudden, now the guy's at the top of the order because of the guy who's essentially an automatic out. When he does get on base, you know, three times out of ten, four times, you know, three and a half times out of ten, now you've got something going if second base is open. And it puts pressure on the defense. I talked to, there was a guy, he's a, he's a broadcaster now, his name's Rex Hudler. He played basically everywhere. And Vince Coleman was a guy who stole like 120 bases one year for the, for the Cardinals. I mean, he was just pure speed. And I asked, Hudler, I said, when, when you were playing the infield, how did that change how you played? And he said, we played Coleman, not, at, not deep and not in. We played him sort of double play depth. 
and he hit a routine two-hopper to me. Not a slow roller and not a line drive. It was a routine couple of hops. And he said, by the time I got the ball out of my glove, he was almost to first base. That's what speed will do. Uh, I don't know why more teams don't do that. I don't know why the stolen base uh, has gone away. You know, I don't know why teams aren't looking for more guys like Billy Hamilton. And understandably, he's a unique talent. But when he's on, the Cincinnati Reds are a much better team. And guys behind him see much more strikes. But, but case in point, last night, Kendris Morales hit a ball that dribbled down the left field line, down the third base line. And it was a routine double play because Kendris can't get to first. But the, but there was, they told a double play on him that there's no way that should have been a double play. Exactly, and and they were saying they were saying that seemed like a routine double play in a situation where it shouldn't have been. But that's just yeah. because of Kendris Morales' lack sure. of speed. And this isn't a knock on Kendris. That's not what he's built to do. But it's those situations where the team is building up this power hitting unit where you're losing out on being able to pressure the defense while you're getting into a good rhythm. I also find that as a fan. If you're watching a game, whether you have a speed demon on first base or you're a Blue Jays fan and Cincinnati comes to town and Billy Billy Hamilton gets on first base or Dustin Pedroia or somebody with the Red Sox gets on base who's capable of stealing a base or or just anybody who's him, all of a sudden as a fan, you're you're watching the game more intently because you don't know what's going to happen. Whereas if you've got somebody who's plugging up first base, you're just kind of waiting for the next home run. I find long ball is a thousand times less interesting than being able to create runs with a a, a single, a stolen base, a, a, a ground ball on a flyout. Like when you can create something out of nothing, I find that much more interesting than uh, uh, than just guys swinging for the fences all night. You may differ. That's our poll question today. And right now, the long ball is winning. 69% to 31%, uh, about 225 votes in so far. Would love to have you vote and give your reasons why at TSN 1050 Radio, at TSN Mike Hogan on Twitter. When we come back, baseball talk, Bob Nightingale joins us, MLB columnist for USA Today. We'll get your, your latest trade rumors next on Toronto Today on TSN 1050. Eleven forty-six, creeping up on noon. Mike Hogan in for wheels today here on Toronto Today. Next hour, we will get some football talking with Clark Judge from the Talk of Fame Network, and Gregor Chisholm will join us from MLB.com with a look specifically at the Jays. Uh, we want to go a little bit bi- uh, more big picture right now, and uh, one of our faves from USA Today, Bob Nightingale, is on the line. Bob, how are you doing, sir? Yeah, doing great. How about you guys? Fantastic, thank you. Uh, just, I want to put you in, take off the press hat for a moment, but just uh, as, as Bob Nightingale, baseball fan, as you can imagine in Toronto, we're talking about uh, the rebuild that is apparent for the Toronto Blue Jays and, and what kind of style of offense fans would prefer. Would they prefer the speedy small ball? Would they prefer the power hitting, sit back and, and pray for the three-run homer? As a fan, which one do you prefer? You know, I mean, I love the rallies just because you don't see them anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's just a uh, almost a lost art in baseball, which which is a real shame. Oh, I'm I'm with you 100. percent Wanted to ask you just uh, as a personal question: Is this a fun time for you, or is the workload uh, and the pressure to make sure you're on top of everything take away some of the fun with all of the rumors and and digging you have to do at this stage? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a fun time just because there's so much out there and so much. Uh, 
you know, stupid stuff that gets, you know, <laughs> tweeted out, reported. I mean, I think just the last, you know, every time some guy comes out of the game, people go, oh, he's out of the game, he's going to get traded. He <laughs> might have a mild hamstring or, you know, something yeah. like that. Someone reported the other day that Sonny Gray got scratched. He never got scratched. So we're getting, you know, getting stuff like that. Yeah. The, the White Sox did okay, obviously, in the deal with the Cubs. Has that set the bar exceptionally high this year? The White Sox have done a, a fabulous, fabulous job. Uh, yeah. But, you know, the thing about Quintana is that he was under control through 2020 and very low money. So, you know, it wasn't a trade just for now, but sure. for the future. Uh, Sonny Gray, you know, hey, he's a very good pitcher. Uh, probably a better pitcher than Quintana when healthy. But the guy's never healthy. And Quintana's been a workhorse. So he'll be the next big uh, guy to go. Uh, as you can imagine, uh, and I can imagine with uh, from your end, uh, whenever you do one of these interviews in any market, uh, everybody wants to know about the team in that specific market. So I'll be no different. Uh, what have you heard about the Blue Jays? And is there anything that you have heard that makes any sense at all? No, they're you know, kind of a little bit in no man's land. You know, where they uh, uh, a good team, a little bit underachieving team. Certainly the... Uh, you know, they had the talent to get in the playoffs. They just went, when are they going to step up? Uh, you know, I don't think they can rebuild. I think they got to just keep going for it. If you don't go for it, then maybe this offseason you make some tough decisions as far as, you know, what do you do with Josh Donaldson? You know, do you trade away a starter? But with the fan base and everything else, the money they're making, you know, I, I don't think anybody in, uh, in Toronto or, or even Canada would accept this team to start rebuilding like the Astros did in the Cubs, to be that bad for that long. I, I don't see this team having a couple of lengthy runs in it uh, to, to make the postseason. Have you heard any talk at all about the Blue Jays adding, as opposed to the most talk in this market, which is of them divesting of some talent? Yeah, I mean, even uh, like D. Gordon, he's got $50 million coming on his contract. And the Blue Jays and Phillies are both interested in the guy. So I think you know, that's adding money. In a uh, in town right there in Gordon, uh, they're like you know every team in on the on the relievers, you know whether it's a Justin Wilson from Detroit or Brad Hand from uh, San Diego, those sort of things. But no, you know nothing major. Uh, but there's not a whole lot of major pieces out there. I mean, I think it'll be a, lot, a deadline, trade deadline in depth, but not in quality. What would the price be for for D Gordon? Uh, very very little fringe prospect. Because he's got fifty million dollars coming on the deal, so it wouldn't cost much at all as far as in terms of uh, a player acquisition. Interesting. If you got the dough to spend, which uh, which the Jays certainly do, that that would uh, that would be worth more than a little bit of a nibble uh, from this end, anyway. Um, as far as some of the other teams in in the division, certainly, what have you heard about the Yankees? You know, they obviously need a first baseman. Uh, you know, the guy that intrigues them, of course, Yonder Alonso. Uh, you know, he's only making $4 million, so a cheap acquisition. They like to get Justin Bohr from uh, Miami, but, you know, he's not going anywhere right now. He's, you know, still under control, not making. So that's about it. I, I don't see the Yankees hanging on. I think the Yankees slowly fade. Wouldn't surprise me at all. You see them finish last in the division. I just don't think they have the pitching to, uh, to withstand it. I think the team to watch out for, besides the rest of the of course, is Tampa. Yeah. They're not going away, and they're trying to add a, a, a big piece for reliever, too. 
I think they can be a very scary team. It's funny, I've talked about them in the last couple of weeks on more than one occasion because they're doing this in exactly the opposite way I thought that they could stay contenders, and I think everybody had them as a team that could pitch and hit a little bit, but this uh, turned into a team that can score runs with the best of them, and the pitching hasn't been all that good. Last time I checked, I think they were like 23rd in the league in ERA, so if they can get any pitching at all, all of a sudden this team becomes very interesting. Yeah, and they got the pitchers. So, you know, once you go in the playoffs, you know, when you have to face a, a Chris Archer, a Cobb, and Odorizzi, those type of guys, uh, it can be tough. I, I think they're the, uh, the X factor in the playoffs. They can make someone's life miserable if they get in. Um, does, uh, does Todd Fraser to Boston just make too much sense that it won't get done? You know, it does. I mean, there's guys out there, but, you know, Fraser, you're talking about just a, a fringe prospect. They'll probably even eat some of the money. Uh, and he's, he's gone after half a year. Yeah. You know, they got the stud, uh, stud uh, third baseman at AAA who's getting close, not quite ready. So this doesn't block the way for anybody. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, if, the, if David Dabrowski can pull it off, you know, go get a reliever too. I mean, they, they would love to get David Robertson to go along with him. How many teams are run on Robertson? Because I've heard, uh, I think I've heard every team in baseball connected with him at some point. Yeah, his trade value has gone up. You know, you know, Washington Nationals thought they had him in their ownership uh, back the way the Nationals' ownership that is. So yeah, I mean every contender, you know, whether it's the, uh, the Dodgers and some of the Yankees, Red Sox, uh, uh, Houston Astros. So all, all the big boys are in on him. Like you know, White Sox will do well. Well, likewise, how long is the lineup for JD Martinez? You know, it's actually shorter than I thought. I talked to Tigers yesterday. You know, four or five teams kind of kicking the tires on him. Uh, you know, just a, a sheer rental. He's a, a very good rental. Uh, the Diamondbacks probably make more sense than anybody else just because they're reeling right now, losing 11 to 14 games. Uh, they've had some injuries in the outfield, uh, and they need to get someone to hit some left-handed pitching. Final question, uh, the Brewers, do they feel a major need to counterpunch the move that the Cubs made? They do, but you know they were in it the whole way. They were in Quintana. They they thought they had a uh, realistic chance at having them. Uh, they're in on big time on Sonny Gray, so uh, they like the guys they can control because they don't want to just jump the rebuilding process and go for this thing. But hey, the, the window's opening up a lot quicker than they thought, uh, and you know, and the Cubs are closing in. I think they'll be very aggressive here. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at B Nightingale. You can read him at USA Today, and he uh, just uh, in his latest column went uh, all through some of these names and even more if you're interested in what might be happening at the deadline. Bob, a pleasure. I know it's a busy time for you. Thanks for taking some time, man. Really appreciate it. Oh, sure. My pleasure. Thank you. That is Bob Nightingale uh, joining us from USA Today. And uh, as mentioned, if you if you go and check out his column, it uh, it talks about a lot of names out there. And uh, the one that he just threw out there about, uh, you know, is are the Jays interested in adding? And D. Gordon um, is a very interesting name, obviously. Uh, we were just talking about small ball, and there's a guy who personifies it. Uh, over 30 steals this year, flirting with 300. Um, you know, you go back, I just pulled up his numbers. Uh, four, with the Dodgers in his last year, he had 64 stolen bases, uh, 58 the year after that, then 30 last year uh, in what was obviously a shortened 
season uh, for all the wrong reasons. And uh, 32 steals this year in uh, how many games played? Uh, 89 games. So um, he's a guy that can get on base, disrupt a little bit, give you some defense, and it would cost you a lot of money. But that's something that Rodgers has. When we come back, more baseball and some NFL talk as well as we continue with Toronto Today on TSN 1050.